everybody and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Coming to you after a big 3-0 win against Burnley and uh, looking in a good spot for the for the Champions League places. Um, very interesting pre-pod where we discussed all things re- related to non-football matters, to be honest with you, including Rainbow, which is quite fitting because I have Zippy, Bungle and George with me tonight. First up, Zippy in Belfast. How are you, Dave? Yes, I'm good, thanks. You'd probably love it if, you had, if I actually didn't have a zip across my mouth. That would follow. <laughs> well, well, when I ran it through in my head, you had to be zippy. Cause well, yeah. Ma- you know many days I wish there was a zip in your fucking mouth to close it. Yeah, I think if that was the case, I would have a zip on my mouth like Trigger's broom. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, yes, I'm good. I'm delighted. I'm just really happy. Really happy. Um, yes. It's fun watching the Reds. It's fun watching the Reds score goals. It's fun, like going into the last game of the season, having actually something to play for. So, uh, great. Yeah, happy days. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, it's only fourth, but but, but let's, beggars and our can't be choosers, let's be honest. It's but, something. Dude, I'd given up. I'm back. <laughs> They've turned a corner. Um, next up in Berlin, Neil, how the hell are you? Are you in similarly effervescent form? Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully I am, I have to say, yeah, in, in decent form, uh, good win, and Sun's beginning to sort of tentative, tentatively come out, spring is, is sort of starting, and yeah, bars are going to open outside once once that sun finally comes back, so all good, um, and the biggest win we've had in a while. I don't think it's any coincidence the crowds are back too. It's it's well, we'll get into it in the pod, Neil, but I, I do think that that's a contributory factor. There's no two ways about it. Um, I think any kind of noise for you or against you works work, works for this particular team. Um, but I'll say we'll get in, we'll get into that in the pod. And last but certainly not least, my God, how, how do we introduce this guy? You know, superstar star of the Anfield <laughs> rap. Oh, Start. Should we roll the red carpet? Red carpet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, boys, feel free to bail in on this piss take because, like, but then he's used a good bail in there in the old offices, you know, and and, and witness to the world. Yeah, Andy Bell, you're you. I, I feel humbled to have you in my presence. <laughs> yeah, satisfied with that introduction. Um, <laughs> I assume the appearance fee is coming in the post for this podcast, but uh, yeah, no, we're, we're, we're not the Anfield rap. That's what you mean. <laughs> our, our pockets, are, we don't have pockets. Never mind deep pockets. Our pockets no. were sewn up. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, obviously was part of that um, kind of viral video that uh, that went up after <laughs> after Alison Setter. You're very close bunch, that tall office, like I must say. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, McGrath messaged me yesterday uh, before, the, before the Burnley game saying, uh, have you got your dancing shoes ready for tonight? <laughs> well, on, the ups- on the upside, he didn't disown you. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I've, I've also just looked up Rainbow, because when you were talking about oh, Zippy Bungle and whatever, I'd... I'd George. Due to, to being the under under the age of uh, of forty, I had no idea what you were talking about. So I, did, I, th- I thought I thought you were going to go through each one. Dave was zippy, and then obviously me and Chief are either bungled or George. But thank, thanks to me not having a clue what you're on about, I have no idea if it would be a compliment or or not. So, well, th- thankfully he, he didn't carry it all the way through there. 
But if I had, but but if I had, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> if you had, you'd end up being Jeffrey. So <laughs> I, I will happily, Je- I will happily live in ignorance. Jeffrey was a bit suspect on it, as I remember. Well, that's my that's my point. But anyway, let's uh, let's <laughs> moving on, moving we? swiftly along before we get banned completely and cancelled or whatever for being inappropriate. Who who would ever have thought? Um, <laughs> right, football. Dave, we fucking want a game of football. Um, I, I, I fucking forgot about this season. It was over. I, I didn't think we were getting fourth. And, and once again, and, and I think it all comes down to the Allison header and, and it got me back on board and it got me excited about football again. And then I, and then I come back to watching again and the crowds in. And, you know, the fucking tackles look like they're real tackles. They look like they're in a game that doesn't look, don't look like they're training anymore. There, there's a difference. And albeit it only missed a couple of games, it, it, it felt come across that felt like home because far far from it, but but it's a step in the right direction and and I honestly believe the performance there. I think it was 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 part and parcel of a crowd being back and and I I, I don't think it could be understated and I'm I'm so excited for the weekend as well um, on the back of that, but we weren't fantastic, but we can't wait three nil winners. And, you know, we, we, we weren't fantastic. We dominated the game, regardless of what Jimmy Red, or Jimmy Carragher sorry, thinks. I, I'm sorry. We dominated that game. We, we, we owned them from start to finish. There were a couple of patchy chances, fair enough. But the three goals, it's, it's, it's just like normal services resuming. Yeah, it's weird. Um, it is right. weird. It's really hard to put... Put words to, to, to I think to, there's a couple of things on this. I think fans being back in the stadium, I think you're right, it, it does make a big difference. It's just, it, it, do you know what? If, if nothing else, it shows you how shit that fake fan noise is. Um, because of all the little, do you know, all the little nuances. And I think what really, I think we mentioned the pre ball, what really stood out was the boon. Because you don't have any fake, no fake boon going about, is there? So, I enjoyed the boom. It was it was good. It was it was something I hadn't heard in a while, and I like that. I like I like it when our team gets booed because it means they're getting on on other people's nerves, and that was what we did all game. We got on their nerves, um, and it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like uh, we don't know how long. It, this I suppose with fans being in the stadium, this looks like a, this looks like a jumping off point to something. Whereas last time it didn't really feel like that. And it sort of feels the same with Liverpool. It feels like something that we can really, really build on. Whereas the last time fans got in the stadium, we still didn't really know where we are, where we were, or what we were doing, or what the fuck was going to come from the rest of the season um, and beyond that. So, um, yeah, it was... I actually thought, yeah, they had a couple of chances, and that's because the, the two centre-halves, they're not they're not great, are they? You know, a few balls over the top, Um you know, real basic, just kick it up, kick it up in the air over the top balls. Um, they got caught out on, and you know, they're not, they're not perfect. We know that, but they've been doing a job, and they've they've been doing it admirably, and they're performing probably above the level that they are. And with Fabinho being back in the midfield, it just allows everybody else to go and play and. I thought we were. I thought we were really good. I think we created loads of chances. We should score at least two before we actually 
get the goal probably three and and Firmino's chance that he kind of doesn't really connect with uh Thiago's chance is an absolutely beautiful move um it's a great move and and Mo's chance where ironically it's just a big boot over the top as well it actually it hasn't been spoken about this is not we're talking about Salah being back his like absolute is touch perfect best his first touch for that big punt over the top is absolutely unbelievable to bring it into his stride and pull it out ahead of him because it's actually a little bit behind him. And he, he smashes over the bar. Um, and then the goal comes. And the goal's another great move down the left-hand side. Lovely one-two. Robertson with a really intelligent pullback. And Firmino, like, let's be honest, thank, thanks, Sean Dice, for putting your man in, in, in goal there because, like... I think the first two goals <laughs> pretty much in the middle of the net. And then the second one, as well as it is struck, it's it's near post. So cheers for that. Um he doesn't save a shot all night, but Yeah, Dave, because Billy Pico Farrell's famously brilliant as near post, isn't he? No, that, that is <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um but I, I think it was I think what I said was you know, if this guy's been behind Peacock Farrell all season then <laughs> I'm pretty confident that we'll be able to stick at least one past them. So yeah, so yeah, it, it it felt a bit last season to me where we dominated, we create good chances. Yes, they get the odd chance. We know why that is, but we we score at the right times. We score three goals. We keep a clean sheet. There's all kinds of romance flying around at the minute, which I absolutely absolutely love. And Alison's header feels like it's just injected the team with some sort of like unquantifiable feel good factor that has not it's not it's genuine and it's not fucking remember who they are Dave maybe that's yeah. the fucking remember who they are yeah it's not fleeting bit late it, bit yeah. late <laughs> it is well do, do you know what it, it, it's maybe maybe a bit late but at the same time maybe in the nick of time you know, oh um, fuck! Thank fuck it's arrived. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. Yeah. That is certainly not a knock. Thank fuck, they've, they've arrived back. But what I mean is, you knew from the from five minutes in, we were never losing that game. You you, you know, like like last season, the season before, you just know we're winning that game. Yeah, it did. It did feel a bit last season to me. I have to say, um, we just looked really incisive. We looked really determined. We looked really self assured and. Uh, as Chief always likes to say, we, it's a we long found, time since I've heard you use those words, Dave. Yeah, yeah absolutely fair. We felt we went out there, and, and as we've done in the last few games, and let's not forget, we're the form team in the league, and we've been saying that for a couple of weeks now. But we went out and we found another way to win, and um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just really happy. Um, Nat Phillips scoring a goal is just, it's just lovely, isn't it? It's just really nice. After this season, he might not kick a ball for the Reds ever again, um, but you know. <laughs> He's, he will end up becoming, I would say, some sort of a cult hero, some sort of Jimmy, not necessarily a Jimmy Triori figure, but kind of remembered the same way he is and the Yosemis of this world aren't. That's a fair point. <laughs> who, who could forget Yosemi? Oh, for fuck's sake. Dave, Dave, we're, we're talking about good things. Let's, 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 let's move along. Neil, for you, I want to talk about, like, Nat Phillips. Like fucking seriously, <laughs> you know, we've, we've had a laugh, and you know, the big lad, he, he's he's playing to the best of his ability. Um, he's certainly not a player who who should be starting his first choice centre back for Liverpool, but at the same time, you know, it's a fairy story. 
it's an absolute fairy story. He's he's done himself proud. I know there's been a, he's he's taken a lot of pelters on on Twitter as well. Um, you know, people he shouldn't be there, and maybe he should. But the, 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 you know, at the end of the day, he's picked, and he gives us a bit. And and that goal, I, I just sat and well, I laugh for other reasons, but it it, it doesn't matter. It brings it just brings joy to you. Because um, it's it's a, it's just a wonderful the, the Nat Phillips story this season is a wonderful story. I was one I think you know you're talking about Dave Dave's talking about players being remembered. He will be remembered for this as as, as like Origi uh, for for the goal against Everton or the, or the uh, you know even Barcelona the, the Champions League final. You know he has his place now. You know and and who would have thought it's it's, it's I don't care what way you fucking box this. It's a good news story for us this season. Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> you know, you can people can say they shouldn't be there and, and stuff. And, you know, ordinarily, as we've said, he, he wouldn't be, be getting picked. But, you know, at the end of the day, he is there and he has been getting picked and we've needed him. So thank God he has been there because, you know, I, I was the most sceptical at the beginning of this run of, of games that he's had of, you know, how he could possibly step up to the task, you know, playing, you know, every three days, basically, playing three games a week, playing in the Champions League at times, um, and and not, you know, for these big wrecks, not to, not to become a, a thing, not to happen. But essentially, they haven't. I mean, of course, he, you know, there have been moments here and there, and, you know, him and Williams playing together, we got a perfect example of it last night, where um, um, or the other day, where against Burnley, where he it was last night as we record this. Sorry, uh, on the Thursday night, that he um, you know Williams gets gets sucked out and Phillips is deep and the offside trap's broken and you know they're in. Um, but generally, he's 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 not really he's he's not done anything calamitous. He's 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 improved steadily. He's been involved in a lot of clean sheets of recent times as well. Yeah, he's been involved in a lot of clean sheets since he's since he's come in. To be fair to him, whoever he's partnered, um, he and he's he's been he's been steady. He's been solid. He's been reliable. You're happy to see his name on the team sheet, actually, because he was injured there for a couple for a game or two, and um, you were like, really? How can you be missing Nat Phillips? But you, you actually were missing his aerial presence um, for a game or two there. You know, he's, he is very dominant and he's very good at what he's quite good at what he does, which is which is a limited skill set. But he knows it and he plays to it. And we obviously play around it as well. You know, there's a big element of that. Let, let's be honest. But for him to get the goal and, you know, get for it to for it to be a big goal, for it to matter, you know, probably the biggest goal of the game yesterday. You know, the 2-0, you know, in the end, obviously, the 3-0 wraps it up, and that's the real big relief. But they weren't coming back, let's let's be fair. Uh, you know, the 2-0 was the one that was the, the, the real um, the real kind of clincher. Um, and, yeah, it's a fairy story for him, you know, because no matter what, he's going to have a, a, a good career now, you would say, uh, in the game at, at the top level. Um, you know, top eight, probably lower half of the Premier League side maybe you know top half top half of the championship but he, i'm sure he'll make a good career for himself 
and you know some people are saying he might even get another season um, as fit choice. Maybe he'll go for that. Well, maybe... I, I, I think we're going to chat a wee bit about about that actually. You know, after after we talk about the game, Neil. So maybe maybe keep a powder dry on that one for now yeah. because I think I think you know. As Dave pointed out, we had a bit of a debate in the group about it, and a kind of divided opinion. So, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll maybe chat about that, um, you know, after the game. Absolutely, but I mean, to get the goal and man of the match performance from from Sky, you know, he will go down. He will be remembered. Um, you know, um, this season will not be forgotten for for many reasons. Most of them, most of them, not great, but but he is a certainly a positive story. For us this season, as you said to start with, <clears throat> no way to doubt. Um, and, and I'll say, I say, we need something good this season, Andy. So uh, you'll have Firmino's goal, and, and Bobby Firmino has a has a habit. You know, as as, as Neil said, probably the, the Nat Phillips was was the big, but I, I think Bobby's goal's big. Dave already it's big said, goal, Bobby. Know, big, and and you know he does come up with them, and that's what three and two games now. Um, and, and he seems to be turning the corner just at the right time as well. Um, you know, and then and then a real collector's item number one, Ox on the pitch. Number two, Ox scoring. Like it was, it, it was a game of some some rarities. You know, Firmino's taking shit all season about oh, you know, he's not a clinical nine, and you've listened to the pundits fucking whip the guy. But whenever you know, whenever like the the, the world uh, club final, he, who, who's there? Bobby Firmino. He has a habit of doing this just whenever RR of need is great, and you know he's had a lot of detractions this season, which I don't think are founded. Um, uh, you know, this season I don't think you can you can really measure anybody. But then Ox to come on as well uh, and score, and and I think you know we've been doing our fantasy football as you call it in the group, Andy. And, hmm. and there's not many of us have have Ox in our squad next season or want Ox in our squad. But but he reminded us of of uh, like that was a lovely wee turn and and jink and bang. Okay, goalkeeper, we could put a question or two, but he hit the target. That's all you can ask him to do, and and he fucking hit didn't half hit it sweet. So you know it's it, it, where where does all that leave leave us squad wise? But it, it's really. It's so significant that you have Phillips, you have Ox, and you have Firmino, three players that haven't been really performing all season. Both there you go, getting goals and amongst the goals. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, like next season, when you, or even in even like five, six, seven years down the line, when we look back at this season, you know, assuming we do get the three points on Saturday and we do get into the European Cup next season, these players can really tell themselves a story about it. You know, nobody's going to think back and, and okay, we may think about the, the six home losses in a row, but it'll only be used in a positive way. It'll be talked about in the context of how we managed to turn it around, how we were, how, as we say, everyone was saying uh, we were out of it. Um, some so-called Liverpool supporters weren't watching the games. <laughs> um, so uh, Gu- think- Guilty as charged, and, <laughs> and I stand over it 100% because uh, oh, yes. I, I, I was nearly jumping off the cliffs here because of it. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm only messing. I was, like, I was the same. I, it was just, it felt for me for so long this season that the highs, there was no sort of highs from football, but the lows were, were just as miserable. Um, but as I say, like, these players can tell themselves a story, and even if it's not like an entirely um, accurate one, in the sense that you know a lot of teams, for example, Leicester's collapses has hugely contributed to 
to where we've ended up this season, Chelsea not picking up the points they would have liked or certainly the promise they showed in the, in the early days under Thomas Tuchel, that's played into it. But we look back at this and we'll think, you know, we had all this shit thrown at us. We had the six home games in a row. We had the, you know, the however many hours it was at Anfield without a goal. We managed to turn it round. We went to Man United, who are the second best team in the league this season, and won 4-2. We went to Burnley, which is a tough place to go, and battered them 3-0. Went to West Brom, the bloody keeper, scored the winner. You know, this is a story that this Liverpool side can tell themselves next season. It's a romantic um kind of fairy tale in a way that, that we've managed to get top four this season. It was interesting that, that Klopp said, I think Klopp's been, been kind of widely derided amongst uh, amongst kind of the Twitter, football Twitter fan base uh, of other teams for saying that the top four would be a massive achievement this season. And, you know, these are the people that, that regularly quote Mourinho, having said getting second place with Manchester United is the best achievement of his career. And um, nobody questions that. But when it's Jurgen Klopp, we have to somehow, um, you know, kind of deride him for it. I don't really get that, but yeah, it's uh, sorry. I realise I haven't answered the question at all. Uh, Firmino is yeah that that first goal yesterday is is terrific. It starts at our byline, and the build up play is absolutely impeccable. I think it starts with Phillips. Uh, he kind of gets himself into a bit of a muddle at the start, but plays his way out of it. And then it's Trent and Thiago, and and just every ball. Something I've I've sort of found when I've watched Liverpool this season, and it, it's hard to. It's not really a, a unique tactical observation or anything but you watch us and every ball is half a yard too short half a yard too hard half a yard either side or you know the pass gets to somebody but they're not receiving it in a position where they can really do anything with it and attacks peter out every pass was perfectly weighted every pass was perfect so the next person could run onto it and it's you know we, we just work it really well and it's, it's a i mean it's it's not the best finish for me who's ever produced but it also it ultimately does go in he's played his part in that goal and i thought last night he did really well actually it's interesting i've kind of argued a lot this season that uh, i think jimmy carragher did quite a uh, jimmy carragher did a rare good piece on this in monday night football where he kind of talked about uh, the, how the front three have been together for five six years and did a comparison to the other front threes and how you know they normally don't last this long and maybe liverpool just need a bit of a freshening up and obviously jota was brought in to be that in the summer but um has been injured for quite a bit of the season. But I think you could find that kind of the front three, put it this way, it's very interesting that we're looking at Eve Basuma spending 40 million on Eve Basuma this summer because Eve Basuma is somebody who scored seven senior goals in his entire career. Um, and you're bringing him into a side which which doesn't really get goals from midfield. Yes, you've got like Keita, yes, you've got Chamberlain, yes, you've got Milner who can produce the odd goal. But I think you're, the way Jurgen Klopp looks at this Liverpool side and the way I'm seeing this Liverpool side now is the best way to get the best out of the front three is to make sure the eight behind them are fully functioning and playing in a Liverpool way, playing in a Jurgen Klopp way uh, to create more space for them. And ever since we've been able to get Fabinho back in the midfield, ever since we've got Thiago up to speed, you know, we've really been able to press up high, win the ball up high. And, and that's what creates chances. That's what creates space in this, pragma, um, in this pragmatic, organised league. And that's why you're seeing the front three kind of having a little bit more joy. At times this season, you were seeing them picking up the ball, you know, 50, 60 yards from goal. And yes, it was frustrating, but there's nothing really you can do in that situation. But they were doing that because we were so far pinned back that they had to, they had to do that to show for an option. Otherwise, the ball would never get to them. So I think it's just kind of juries out on it next season. Let's see. And if we go into next season with the same front three plus Jota, plus a few additions and, you know, kind of in the defence and in the midfield to make sure we do, we're not going to be playing like we have this season, then, you know, I'm all for it. And dead quick on Chamberlain, it's 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 a difficult one because 
the more and more I've seen him this season, when we have seen him, uh, and obviously the injuries have been have been ramped up even more than what they have been in previous seasons for Chamberlain. But I've kind of worried that he's he's become the Lalana in the sense that not only is he not fit enough for the time, but the injuries have taken such a toll on his body that he can't produce the same quality. And Chamberlain is somebody who's produced incredible moments of quality for us over the years in the Champions League. Uh, at times he's got runs in the Premier League, and he's he's been that third midfielder who's really complemented the front three perfectly and added goals. Um, but what so age it, is he? What age is he now? He's twenty-seven. He, is he? Uh, I, I thought he was younger than that. He's so, twenty-seven. Like, you know, you, you, uh, is, is the Lallana comparison like you know because he still. You would still think he should have at least two or three years left in him. Yeah, yeah, no, technically he should, but at just the times, you know, the best you've seen of Chamberlain is when he's able to pick up the ball in the midfield and make that drive and run and drive into that space, which nobody really else in our nobody else in our team can really do, uh, and he can produce that long shot, he can produce that moment of quality or that final pass. And it's just kind of become a bit more more static for him when he's played this season. But, you know, he comes on in that game against West Brom at Anfield at Christmas uh, and he makes a difference. You know, he produces an inch-perfect ball to Firmino and that could have been the the moment that could have really galvanised us for the rest of the season. And, um, you know, he, in a game of few chances where West Brom were, were playing with, you know, two blocks of five basically in front of, the, in front of their goal and he managed to pick that lock. And, um, you know, last night it's a brilliant strike on his left foot from a tough angle. Yes, as Dave says, the keeper doesn't cover himself in glory, but it's 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 a real moment of quality, and it's just a case of you know Jurgen Klopp and the the medical team and the sports scientists see this guy every day. They will know, you know, if he can still produce this moment of quality or if the injuries have taken a toll on his body, as I suspected earlier in the season. So I'm happy for them to make a decision on it based on the money he's on, and based on what he's offering us, based on how often he's able to offer that to us. Yeah, I'm happy for them to make a decision on it this summer, but I, I'm kind of fifty fifty on it. I'm relaxed on whether whether he stays or not. But if he can produce something, you know, in the last day of the season, coming off the bench, he's another option for us. Shakiri hasn't exactly been um, overly reliable. You can't hang his, hang your hat on him when he comes off the bench. He seems done with the whole Origi thing. So if, if Chamberlain can offer another option off the bench on 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 Sunday, then that could be something we need, depending on how the game goes. No, indeed. And I'll come back to you, Dave, and we'll, we'll, we'll move on to Sunday. And uh, it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's our cup final. And that sounds pathetic after being champions of England. And champ- you know, fourth place is our cup. But but that's that's the reality of this season. And that's where it's led us to. And that's where we are. And that's how we have to treat it. And I, for one, I don't think we're losing this. I think the 10,000, I think Jay's got, got, got a ticket for it. And, you know, if you take, we listen to Jay and, and our group and pre-positive, this guy can't wait to get back into Anfield. The noise, I don't care. The 10,000 will sound like 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 the 60,000. We recall what the 2,000 sound like. I cannot see a way that Uncle Roy leaves um, Anfield with a win or, or even a point. I, I think that the tide's been turned. I think we're going to be completely up and at them. I think it's going to be like a Liverpool of old. Now, you know, okay, we're, we're not going to, we're going to protect those back too. Um, and, and I think that, um, you know, the crowd on their side and the reception that Nat Phillips could get could be a galvanizing factor in this. Put it like this. This is just, it's, it's like the, you know, they used to talk about Brendan Rogers, perfect storm. The, um, the, 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 the Suarez year. And, and and this is, is a perfect storm of sorts of, of a last game of a season with something to play for, fans returning for the first time in fucking eons. It's written in the stars, Dave. 
it, it would look that way, wouldn't it? Um, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but yeah, I think. Well, it's Uncle Roy. Let's get ahead of ourselves. You know, yeah, I think there's every reason to be confident. We absolutely battered them at Selhurst Park seven earlier on in the season. Um, and let's be honest, we haven't been doing a lot of that this year. So, you know, arguably that could be, you know, Crystal Palace could be could be the team on two fronts that get us over the line with the, the final three points that we need and, and the vital goal difference that, that might just be be the deciding factor. So um, there's that to look at. Fans in the stadium, I think, is massive for a number of points. First and foremost, the last game of the the last home game of the season is impossibly difficult to get tickets for as it is. So everybody who's got a ticket will be doubly delighted. And I think more so than anything else, fans are going to be going into the into the ground just feeling great about the team again. Just feeling really good about the team, really looking forward to it, knowing that they're going to a game. No, they're, they're going to a game. This mean, David, a perfect storm. It's a perfect coming yeah. together of all the elements. Yes, that's well, well, that's that's it. I'm I'm, I'm kind of labouring on articulating that. So, yeah, I think we've got what we've had recently, which is something that we haven't had and banged on about it all season. This continuity in the eleven that are getting on the pitch by and large. The back four have their limitations, and that's absolutely fine. But the same guys going out there and. You know, with Phillips, I think it's fair to say he's grown. He's grown over these last few these last few months, and I think the games that we don't win in this run are are leads that he definitely doesn't play. And you would bank on him to head that ball out of the box um, that they ultimately score from the equalise from the corner. And I'm not sure whether as a fair idea he misses Newcastle as well, which is the other the other game that we we don't pick up maximum. In this run, so he'll he'll be feeling good about himself. And listen, players are players are as good as they're going to be, whether they're whether they're not Phillips or whether they're Mo Salah. Um, but they're ultimately the best version of themselves when a they're feeling good about themselves and b they're feeling confident in their performances. And the other thing is that they've feel like they've got the the support in the back end of the the players around them and the players in the dressing room and they feel like they belong and they feel like they're contributing. I think it's a big thing in team sports to feel like you've earned your place on that side by contributing positively um, and making a difference. And, he, and he'll be going out there, same as everybody else, same as, you know, Firmino feels like he's contributing at the minute. He'll be feeling good about himself. Ox has come on. I like him just for, just for while we're here. Um, I like him. I think really disappointing that that really bad injury gets against. Is he a lovely goal. footballer or not? He's not a lovely no. footballer, no. But he no, he no. is a very very dynamic footballer. He's a very Jurgen Klopp footballer, strong, powerful, quick, direct, and he can. He is the one player in that squad that can get you goals from midfield. You know, he's he's a one in five. He's a one in five player for us um, from the midfield, and in that midfield, that's 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 not a bad that's not a bad output. So. Um, yeah, I think we're playing well is is the bottom line. And there is belief throughout that squad which has grown through performances over 90 minutes and been punctuated by moments such as the biggest one obviously being the Allison header. And we just look in really good shape. And it 
it feels a bit different if if that's I know it's not quantifiable, but for me it just feels different watching them. And he's right. Everything looks like it's been done just that little fraction quicker, with that little fraction more accuracy. Um, the balls were being pushed ahead of players to invite them into spaces rather than them getting a yard behind them and having to check. And and we just look like a team again. And that might be to do with the continuity, but I, I'm I wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if it was just exactly the same eleven that went out there on on Sunday and just looked like exactly the same team as they did against as they did against Burnley. Um, Zaha's obviously the one big worry because, well, it's basically, he's very good. He's very fast and he can beat players and don't really want him running at Matt Phillips coming in off that left-hand side. So Fabinho's going to have to be on his game. Trent's going to have to be on his game. Um, and whoever's playing out that right-hand side, be it Thiago um, or, or, or Ronaldon, probably, I think, I don't know. I can't even remember who played what side. Genie normally left, but yeah, there's 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 cause for optimism as Ace out, which is terrible for the kid because I think he looks like a real player. Uh, but that's great for us. So I only care about us. And yeah, sorry, Ezekiel or whatever your first name is. And they have a lot of players that I think 16 first team players that looks though they're not getting contracts next year so whether they go out there to play for their contract with another team or whether they just like just can't really be bothered because they know they're not going to be there next year we'll soon find out I suppose No I hear you and, and they you know Dave, Dave makes a point that, that they could be on the beach and, and there's there's another factor you know that, that, that they're bigging up you know it's Roy's last game you know they'll want to go out but Apparently they had some presentation and celebra- some celebration of some description um, at uh, Crystal Palace at the weekend as a send-off for Roy. So that's even been done. So that sort of, in, in my opinion, sort of doubles down on the on the yeah they could well be on the beach um, and you know maybe not. Dave points out the contract situation. So many yeah maybe they've they've had it. The, the manager's gone. They've had their you know their farewell whatever it was at, at the ground. And, uh, you know, now they're coming to Liverpool to get whipped. But Dave makes another point that he wouldn't change the 11. Would you? But the, the starting 11 from the other night? Yeah. Um, yeah. Probably not. No, I mean, I'd say the back five obviously pretty much picked itself. Um, you've got Gini, Thiago and Fabinho in midfield. I take it there's yeah, no chance of Kabak being fit? No. Don't Kabak. think. I don't is think he he is. No, no, Kabak, and I think Klopp said that there was a slight chance of Jota, but I would imagine if he's available, that he wouldn't He'd be, be on the bench. Yeah, yeah. So I would imagine it's it's as you were. Uh, it's a long. The only shout chief would maybe be would maybe be for Milner would be the only kind of question mark, I guess. Yeah, again, I I'd, I'd, I'd say Milner finishes the game rather than than starting it, but. He, he could bring him in. He could bring him in uh, if you want. But he's rested Genie recently, so he's not resting him again. And I think Thiago and Fabinho start. So so I think it is the same again. I mean, yeah, yeah there might be a question mark about Milner. Uh, and again, you mentioned Jota there, but I'd say they're, they're both coming off the bench. Um, he's probably just going to go see him again, and you'd be happy with it. I, I think it's probably the strongest team, um, to be fair. 
And I think just to, to go back on, on a couple of things that have been mentioned, like, I mean, um, we did we did look... Go on, do did, your do your ox thing. Do your ox thing. No, not not so much. <laughs> I mean, Chamberlain Chamberlain was, was fine when he came on. Actually, he was really good. He was only on five minutes. He scored a goal. He looked really sharp. First time he's looked sharp in, in two years or something like, but, um, well, quite a long time anyway, but... But yeah, he looks sharp. Um, so more part of him if he can come back and, and be that player. The thing with him is, if you want to get into it, is over his career he's shown that he can't stay free of an injury. Most of the injuries that he picks up, he tends to pick up in in challenges in midfield, either being challenged or, or stretching for challenges, and he doesn't really seem to learn on that. And it's just the nature of his game, the way he plays, as Andy says, driving from the midfield. He's gonna he keeps getting involved in those kinds of, of tackles and his knees must be made of putty by now. So I think one more and he probably is done. But, you know, if if, if we decide not to sell him this summer and we can actually get a tune out of him, then then fine. Um but more so just on, on how we looked and, and how we played and actually, you know, I think the key thing is we scored, we scored at the right times and that makes such a difference. When you score when you're on top and then, you know, you score again. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds stupid and obvious, but like you can play really, really well and make chances. Don't even have to be brilliant chances, but good enough chances and not put them away, not put them away, not put them away. And one the team makes makes a chance against you and might not even be that good of a chance, but it goes in, they put it away. And that's you done. And the scoreline at the end of the day in football, unfortunately, is all that, all that really matters. And... You know, it's not reflective of how you're playing, what work you're doing during the week, all the rest of it. It's reflective of, you know, you're not scoring when you're on top. And when you do put the ball in the net, it changes the game completely. And you begin to play. You, you obviously changes the, the status of the game at the time, but it changes the confidence confidence levels, changes the psychology, everything, everything around it. So it's massively important. It's wonderful to be going into the final game, having registered three goals and, you know, with, as you mentioned, Bobby Bobby scoring. We we know Salah's not shy of scoring at, at, at any point, but the goals have started to sort of come from city places as well. Like as as you said, Oxley Chamberlain or Nat Phillips, ridiculously, you know. But we're sharing the goals around a little bit more, and the goals are starting to come. So there is a chance Palace could be on the beach, bringing it back around to them because, as you said, there's not very much to play for uh, for them. And when there was sort of semi something to play for um, at Selhurst Park, we absolutely battered them. We do like playing them. We are good at home on the final day. I mean, notwithstanding the, the the little debacle we've had this season. But generally, if you say we're, we're sort of on the way back, then to prove it would be to go out and, and smash Palace at home on the final day. And it's, it's really all set up for us to do it. As you said, Dave, the perfect storm of things. You know, hitting form the right, you know, at this time, maybe not the right time, but but at this time anyway, fans back, you know, uh, Roy being being given a send off by the by the Liverpool fans, uh, you know. So, yeah, I mean, as you said, Dave, the, the perfect storm, all the things coming together, getting better and um, and, uh, you know, Roy coming and Palace potentially being on the beach and us being the Phoenix rising from the flames here at, at the last. So. Let's hope. Let's hope it does, and maybe we'll. 
I, th- I sort of think we could see a bit of a a bit of a show put on. I hope you know. Um, I can see us scoring a few, so let's hope that happens. Andy, I'll get I'll give you the last word on on this, and I'll also give you the first word then on on uh, Mr. Phillips. Um, what what do you see at the weekend here? I, I, I assume you're 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 confident like the rest of us that we should be able to dispatch this one, given all the things, given everything that this season has been. One last hurrah, we can do it. Yeah, I am confident. Um, it's as perfect a game as you can really ask for. It's still a difficult game. Palace still, um, you know, over the last two or three years have made it very difficult for the top sides. We all know what our record was like against them. I think it's got better in the last couple of years. But, you know, they go to Manchester United and win 3-1 the first day of the season. They always seem to to give teams a, a real good game up the against the top six. Or one of those teams who you know, actually normally have a go, which is unusual to say for, for Roy Hodgson, but, you know, they've got the likes yeah, of Ezra. Could, could do without Benteke, like, s- suddenly starting scoring goals as well, couldn't we? Yeah, I mean, definitely. But, I mean, I think the last time before we obviously had the six defeats in a row, the last team to beat us was Palace. And I think Benteke maybe scored the winner that day, if memory serves correct. But, yeah, they're, they're what, as I say, they're one of those teams. I know Eze's out, but they've got Zaha, they've got Eze. I don't know if Andros Townsend still plays for them, but you're used to seeing those those players come up against the top six, and it's not your pragmatic sit back, soak up the pressure, and pray for a nil nil. They actually do do have a go, so you know they're they're quite an exciting team to watch. But as I say, they are on the as as you guys have said, they're on the beach. Uh, Roy Hodgson, the send off seemed very low key for a man who's been there for what four, five, six, seven years. I'm not exactly sure. Um, that could be rectified at Anfield on Sunday, Andy. To be yeah, <laughs> but, but 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 I mean, you know, it, it, he's not the type of manager or indeed man that you're worried that his players are going to give absolutely everything for a big send off for him. You know what I mean? He kind of goes out with a whimper at Selhurst Park. That was a send off. They're beaten by a very poor Arsenal side, um, and you know, at at, at the weekend here, I I, I can't see. Especially, you know, no Palace fans there. Uh, I can't see anything other than a, a routine Liverpool victory. And in terms of the team I play, yeah, I agree with Chief and, and Dave. I wouldn't change anything. Milner is, of course, the only the only real one. And I guess Curtis Jones as well. But, you know, the last three games, United, um, West Brom and, and, and the last one against Burnley, you know, our best football as, and our, our kind of the best results have come with, with playing this team. And Curtis Jones doesn't do badly against West Brom, but when, when Aldum comes on, it is ultimately when we get the goal. Um, and obviously the other two performances around that game have been, have been better. So I think you just stick with that. And then you've got the players, as I say, like Shakiri, like Chamberlain, uh, like Milner, if you need it to, to come on and change it. But I don't think there's any need to kind of to take that risk from the start and, and certainly no need to take the risk with, uh, was playing all four if Jota is indeed fit. Uh, so not Phillips. Yeah, it, it was an interesting debate the other day. I think. Uh, or I think. No, yeah. well, it, it's a question, Andy Moore. I think of you know we're, we're. I think we're all in agreement that we would prefer two centre backs. And the question is, is one of those centre backs not Phillips? Mm-hmm. Is you know is he going to be good enough going forward? Um, has has the, the form this season earned him the right to, to at least have that chance? Now I would, or the other side of the argument is that while his his stock is so high, this is the best time to sell him, which is really where I, or where my opinion falls. 
Um, and, and it's based sheerly on, you know, he has all the pace of a fucking 1970s ladder. You know, <laughs> and, and, and it's only that, and, and we play that high line. And, and, you know, I just don't see him being fast enough or having the pace. And, and he's done one, like, and, and I really don't want to, to, to sound negative about it, because he's done fantastic this season, and, and you know, it's to the best of his ability. But even as fifth choice, I don't think, even though it's saving us money, Andy, I know you probably think different, but those are the two sides of the argument. So, so feel free to put yours across. Yeah, I mean, I've I've had a bit of a boring week at work. I'm 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 trained to be a teacher, and I've just been put on a load of intervention with GCSE students, and I've just been like rattling through the same past papers with them every week. Um, so that debate on whenever it was was it yesterday? Was it the day before? I don't know, but I really enjoyed it. And Jay was uh, Jay was bringing forward the analogy of like. It's like saying it's like saying living in England's great because it's sunny fifty percent of the time, but you forget the other fifty percent of the time. Uh, referring to Matip being injured for a lot of the season, uh, and he said buying Quebec would be like like buying a, a a holiday house in the Mediterranean and and using them when you need. And I kind of said you can't unilaterally look at the fact that Quebec's always fit. You have to look at quality as well. Joel Matip is somebody who's you know contributed uh, was in the side for a Champions League win. Um, don't think he plays that much in the Premier League winning season, but he has a run in the side. He's never really let us down when he plays, uh, contrary to, to, to his performances when he first came in. So, you know, for me, I think it is frustrating, obviously, that, that Gomez and Matip are, are, are always injured, but I think they're two players for, for whom the quality they give us um, when they are playing, I don't think it's worth the risk of selling them and you know who, who on earth do you get in at that point they might be injury prone as well we have to remember that Joel Matip literally never got injured before he came to Liverpool go on transfer market look up his season history with Schalke he played every single game then when he came to Liverpool he became made of cheese basically um, so I guess the question I guess I'm not the best person to ask really in this Dave because everyone kind of knows that I'm not it's fair to say Ozan Kabak's biggest fan and if you're looking at, you know, how much are we realistically going to get for Phillips if we were to sell him? Is it going to be much over 10 million? I don't think so. And you're looking at paying 18 million for Quebec. So do I think saving the, the 10, the 8, 10 million on keeping Phillips and, and letting Quebec go back, um, compared to buying Quebec? I think that, you know, I think it's worth doing because I, I don't think Quebec is, is a better center half than Phillips, to be quite honest with you. I think you're looking at somebody who's who's come in and for the first time at centre half, really, when he came in, he gave us that secure option. I know what you're saying about the pace. I know what you're saying about the fact that we like to play a high line and that has then a knock-on effect on the midfields. We know Fabinho isn't your your classic, you know, Makalele like midfielder. He just sits in front of the back four. He actually likes to go with his man and often he finds himself the furthest forward of the three midfielders. That then has a knock-on effect on the strikers. But I think you know, I in an ideal world, even with the injuries to Gomez and Matip and Kanate, you know, a lot of people have mentioned that his injury record's been quite poor. Um, in an ideal world, you know, you have to take these risks. You, ha- you as I was saying, you can't avert all potential risk. You look at um, Virgil Van Dijk this season, or, or over the last what was it, three years, and he's barely missed a Premier League game. And there's been a conversation at some point with, with, with Liverpool where they've said, yes, if we lose this guy for the whole season, we're buggered here. But 
it's a it's kind of a risk you have to take. He's shown that he's been fit for all this time. One horror challenge has put him out for this time, and you know you, you can't you kind of can't really prepare for that. It's like it's like saying you know you can bring in two centre halves and and have a fifth and a sixth choice, but what if all six of those get injured? Do you bring in the seventh and an eighth? You know this could go on forever. Decisions have to be made, risks have to be taken, and ultimately you have to do that within your budget, which you know we know that. Liverpool have posted a, a loss of what was it, seventy-two million for last season. That only includes three months of the pandemic. That only includes to June twenty twenty. So God knows what the accounts are going to look like next year. And um, thank God we look like we're going to get into the Champions League. But you know that's going to be a massive hit for us. Uh, so you know, is is this the time that I can see FSG changing their business model and and splashing thirty million on a? a young centre half to come in and be fifth choice in case absolutely everyone get in, gets injured again. No, I don't see that being the case to be honest. And I think we you know we can't can, can I just put a wee counter in there, Andy? Yeah. If I can. Of course. Um and and it's, and it's regards to, to you know you're talking about FSG won't I, I kinda of beg to differ and I'll give you this as a scenario. I, I think there'll be a charm offence a charm offensive this summer and I think they will splash. Uh, to make us forget about the European Super League. I, I truly do think there'll be a, a kind of a charm offensive in the form of spending. Well, well, possibly. And uh, I think I was I was listening to, to a couple of guys talking the other day and it was like they were talking about how kind of if you look at FSG's spending since they've come into Liverpool, it's been, you know, a big window, then two years of, of paying it off, then a big window, then two years of paying it off. And most recently that was the summer where we got in uh, Alison, when we got in Nabi Keita, I know that the deal is done the year before, but I assume we didn't start paying it off until the year of. And Virgil van Dijk comes in that summer. We make a couple of other uh, signings that summer. Shakiri is obviously quite cheap, but after that, like since then, we've only really signed a couple of players: Minamino, Vandenberg, um, Harvey Elliott. And then last summer, there's a bit of a splash, but we do get like the 25 million for Brewster, for example. Um, and even that, I think when you look at the, how those deals were supposed to be done, I think like we're only paying 5 million of the Jota fee this year. And it's kind of being amortized over the next four or five years. I don't really understand how the accounts work, to be honest with you. Um, but you know, the, the, the thinking is that, 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 that these players, it was a bit of a stretch to get the players in last summer. Now, if you compound that with four times the loss, probably, that we're going to post next year with the accounts. I, I mean, it's difficult. It's difficult. We, we, you know, there's so many kind of parallels you can draw upon. A lot of people mentioned the Red Sox and how when they didn't win the league for a couple of years or whatever it is, the Super or whatever, um, that they splashed out. And, you know, you just don't know. You're second guessing. You're, there's so many factors at play here that you, it's, it's impossible to second guess what FSG are going to do. But do I think they're going to start you know, buying sixth and seventh choices for every position and spending twenty million on on these things, for example. No, I don't. I, I think they could sign a midfielder. I think they could sign a centre half, and if we're lucky, they could sign a marquee forward. But I guess my main point is that I, you know, I don't think I don't actually think Quebec's a better centre half than Phillips. I think Phillips is a perfect fifth choice centre half. In an ideal world, you don't see your centre half, uh, your fifth choice centre half, at all in a season. He comes in, he plays the League Cup, he plays the FA Cup. He maybe plays the all game in Europe when we're through. Um, and if absolute disaster strikes, he's shown this season that he's more than able to come in and do a job for us. And that's what exactly what you want from a fifth choice centre half. And we've got one on our doorstep. Can I just jump in there and, and just say that's, I'd say that's absolutely true. 
if he is if he is going to be your your fifth choice and you think that um, you won't need him, the problem is when your second, third, and fourth choice or go or your second and third choice are are Gomez and Matip. And then you're maybe going to sign Konate, who's also got... It's, it's a common problem for us, Chief. Injury uh, issues. injuries throughout the season. And yeah. that's it. So you are going to see him. And if you're going to need your fifth-choice centre-back, yeah, he can come in and do a job. But it's been... It, it's not what you want. Nobody wants, to see, nobody wants to see Nat Phillips play a Premier League game for Liverpool next season. Because <laughs> if, he, if he does, it'll mean that we've, we've, we've done something wrong. But if you absolutely have to, you can go yeah, for the new there. Don't wanna absolutely have to. Yeah, no, that's, no, that's I'm not saying I'd be feeling. I, I never want to see. I never want to see Fabinho in the back again. It's so a different story. It's, it's a different story when you've got Henderson, when you've possibly got Basuma, when you've got Thiago, when you've got these players who can leg it about. The fact that what we missed from Fabinho, um, obviously he's he's the best number six in the world in my opinion. I think he's absolutely brilliant, but. The fact that we missed his legs and his athleticism in midfield was the main thing. Next season, you know, that's not going to be as, as much the case. And he was absolutely fine. When we had Virgil and Fabinho, we, we saw that, that centre-half partnership quite a bit at the start of the season. And people were talking about Fabinho as one of the best centre-halves in the league and potentially having a long-term future there. Totally. So, when, I think when, you, when you play beside Virgil, what it's highlighted, what, what, what this season has massively highlighted is that unless Virgil's there... Playing centre half for Liverpool is fucking difficult, and you're going to get injured. When Virgil plays there, he expends little energy and doesn't really get injured. And the lad playing beside him doesn't have to do that much because Virgil's there calling the shots. And as soon as Virgil went in, the fucking centre back started dropping like flies. I mean, Virgil got got a proper contact injury, but the others started to get started to get muscle injuries generally, didn't they? Um, they weren't actual actually inflicted on them by by other other players or whatever. So. Um, it's just one of them, but what I think we're gonna have to, what I'm, sort of what I'm getting at with, with what I said there, without trying to be a dick or anything, is is that we 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 need we need to replace a Matty Gomez on that list. We with with someone who's more reliable, and you might say that is Kanate. We'll, we'll wait and see, but I don't feel comfortable. I wouldn't feel comfortable without us signing, going out now and signing two. Centre backs, and if you want to keep Phillips as well, fine. I'm not saying that we have to get rid of him or whatever. I'm not really that arsed about the finances as long as it all adds up. They they can work all that out. But um, I think we we it's not a case of his fifth choice, and we'll never really see him. And if you have to, then you have to. I think because of the nature of the beast, if we, if, it, if we're going in with the same centre backs again next season, there's every chance you see that Phillips playing again. Next can I put season. something to you, Chief? Can I put some to you? Um, since Virgil came in, uh, barring this season, he's had what one and he's had two and a half years. Yeah. Uh, bef- before this season, this would this would have been his, his third and a half. How many times did you see a fifth choice centre half playing in those first two and a half years when Virgil was never injured? That's what I mean. So but you know, notwithstanding the fact that he may, he, yeah, well, notwithstanding the fact that you know he may have a. Uh, this injury may make him more prone to injuries in the future. And again, we don't know the sports science. We don't know the medical stuff behind that. But assuming uh, Virgil does come back and he's absolutely fine, he just goes and plays every game again. I definitely think that's a calculated risk you can take having Phillips' as fifth choice. But if can, can, I throw a spa- can I throw a spanner in here? Because it's relevant. What if, and, 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 and 
Arnett Phillips is quite in his rights to do this at the end of the season, wraps some club store and says, I want more money. And he's well within his right. His agent could well do that. You know, he's pulled him out of the hole. He's become this cult hero. I want, you know, like Origi got the contract after. You know what I mean? And, and can, will that be something we can afford as a fifth choice? You know, maybe he wants to move on. Maybe he's got a taste of it. You know what I mean? There, there's there's other aspects of it. Can I throw my two cents in here? Um, see, to be honest, if you're talking Quebec, Williams, Phillips, I would, I would, if possible, offload the three of them. Because I honestly, we're, we're, I think the thing is, we're, we're comparing, we're comparing these guys all to one another. Who's the best? Who's the best? Not, I don't think any of them are good enough. Genuinely don't. And Phillips has done an admirable job and he's played well. But I'm with Chief on this. I, I, I don't really want to see him in, in a Liverpool shirt next season. Now, if we're talking fifth choice, yeah, I'm kind of all right with that. And but realistically, based on Maddox's record, Maddox's your fifth choice. That that's yes. just the way it is. So Phillips is actually then your fourth choice, and then you're looking at Gomez and looking at Kanate. And to be honest, I'm not again Joe Gomez. If we talked about Chamberlain earlier on, Joe Gomez is Joe Gomez can be thrown in that bracket too. Because he's a guy that when he gets injured, it's there's two it's, big ones in quick, three big ones in quick succession. They're 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 big injuries. He's not he he doesn't get knocks or muscle strains or things like that. It's just big injuries, and they're those those ones that it's not like Virgil's where it's someone's come out and fucking horror tackled them. He just it was that one they said in England. The thing that worried them was was nobody anywhere near him. What happened? Nowhere anywhere near him, and you know, then basically his leg, his, his knee almost fucking popped out. <laughs> Yeah, so realistically, in an ideal world, what I would probably look to do and what I hope the club look to do is as as much as I would hate to see him go, offload Maddox and probably bring in two and you'd have Virgil, Gomez, if it's Canate, one and, on, one and another and... Then Phillips and I would probably be happy with that. I think that's I think that's the best that we can hope for in that situation because I do agree with Andy. I don't think there's going to be I don't think there's going to be money to throw about it as much as they would like to go on a charm offensive. I just don't think these these guys are these guys are financial pragmatists. They're not going to do it. I just don't see their model. If their model's going to change, it's going to have to change drastically, and I just don't see that as an option. So I think the best that we can hope for. People talking about refreshing the front three. Can't see it. I think the best we can hope for is two good centre halves and a two good centre halves and someone to replace one Alden and someone to replace the non-existent form force that is Nabi Keita and hopefully get rid of him as well. What do you do with Minamino? I have absolutely no idea. I think it's been really tough on the lad. He's come in. Fuck's sake. It's, it's, it's almost like he brought the virus with him because as soon as he landed, everything kicked off and he hasn't even had a chance to hasn't even had a chance to speak to people outside of training, you know. Um, so I've seen flashes for Southampton even, you know, I think his first game, he scores an absolute worldie against um, against Newcastle. He scores a lovely goal against, I think, Chelsea. He sco- you know, he gets us off and running against Crystal Palace and we don't ever, ever see him again. It's, it's, a, it's just a really weird one with him. So I, I, 
just on him, I think he could he could end up doing something with this. Um, I think you're absolutely right. It, it was dead difficult for him. And do you know that thing where, you know, sometimes we'd sign a player and he'll come in and he'd play a few games and then you won't see him for a few months and then he'll come back mm. and be good? I think it seems to have happened about three times to him, doesn't it? Yeah, but I think we sort of tried to do that with him, but because of the situation, because of him coming in in the pandemic and and not being able to fucking mix and not being able to you know feel part of the team and all the rest of it, like everything just kicked off as soon as he arrived. Basically, I don't know. I think we, we might see him come back. Is what is what I mean, and, and and then we'll see if if he's got something to offer because he's he's he has done well at Southampton. I mean, they've yeah. been. And if you're talking about signing a forward chief, if you're looking at the squad, the midfield needs numbers in there. It absolutely does. The, this, we need numbers at centre half through for one reason or another. I think everybody can agree on that. But the front, the, the, the forward players, you're talking the front three as they are. Jota, Elliot will come back from loan, who's had a really, really impressive season. I don't know whether they're going to loan him out again, whether Klopp thinks he's a bit too young. You've Minamino coming back. He's still fucking Origi sitting there as well. Do you know what I mean? So there's seven, and we're not going to go out and buy another forward unless we probably sell two and loan one of those guys. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting, whatever happens, because as you pointed out, there we've, there are a lot on the books, and there's some interesting ones like Minamino, like Elliot. Um, so we'll see because there'll be plenty of movement, um, and we'll pro- you probably will see more loan moves and. I'm sure we will rejig, and I think there will be investment from FSG. I have to say, I differ from you slightly on that. I think their model shows that uh, that this two-year investment thing, there's there's something in that, um, and there with the with the investment from Red, whoever the fuck Redbird, <laughs> and all the rest of it. I just think they're and, and potentially what Dave says a wee bit with the Super League thing, but uh, more so just because it is their model. Um, to invest sort of every couple of years and I think they build us up to such a point and I think they'll they'll be as surprised as anyone at just how quickly and just how fragile what we had built seemed to be and how quickly we could be knocked off it um albeit in the ridiculous circumstances but it hasn't taken long it's taken a lot but not long and that will have taken them by surprise and I think they'll be they'll be concerned to make sure that all the money they've put in so far and everything they've built up, their value that they've created, this two billion club and whatever, you know, they'll want to protect that. And the only way they can do that is to keep the club relevant. The only way to keep them relevant is keep them challenging City because nobody else is going to do it and keep them winning things. Here, here's a question for you, Neil. For, for example, if, you know, first game of the season, next season, um, John and Linda arrive at, at Anfield, what kind of reception do you think you're going to get? As it's that, we're not talking about no investment, no nothing here. We're just right talking now, about at the if, if, if it was tomorrow, if it was tomorrow, what 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 do you think they would get? I, I, it would be mixed. I would say. I'd say they'd get a mixed uh, mixed reception. It w- wouldn't be all smiles. Certainly not. I mean, I think that you 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 get it. You'd probably get if it was no a lot of apathy, chief. Probably mm. maybe, maybe, but you might get you might get a certain element of if not protest, but you know, if if you knew they were coming, there might be an element of 
with fans wanting a few questions answered, you know. Do, do, do you think that that's the kind of environment they want to come to? Because they've been lovey-dovey for, for so long. Well, exactly. You know, like, uh, and this it is, is true. What, they, are, they are very image conscious, that's yeah. fair yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Where going, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and for, makes sense. And, the, and, and, you know, we've come off this, and, and there's no doubt about it. I, I've no doubt that they're tuned in to how we've all been feeling. And they and some of that is transmitted to them. It, you know, they've, they've sat down with Spirit of the Shankly, the, whatever. That has has transmitted through the board level. And th- th- this is the other aspect. These are highly intelligent people. And we are a fickle mob. We are a fickle yes. mob. We can be bought. Like, let's be honest. And, well, do you know what? I think they've already started that because, it's you know... I don't think it's coincidence. After after that after that win against Burnley, it, it comes out. I think is it maybe late last night or today that there ha, the, the sign off has been approved for for Spirit of Shankly fans uh, fan members to be on the board. Yeah. Um, they've also come out and announced that any um, potential sanctions or financial cost from the Super League debacle will be covered by FSG and not not come out of the club's budget. So, as you say, fickle, Dave. You know, I would say that FSG might just be thinking, well, we'll ride the crest of a wave here. We'll throw these couple of goodwill gestures out now and everybody will be a little bit less hard on us and we can just build incrementally from here, which is kind of what they've done. Because let's be honest, again, that's... I wouldn't say it's their model, but that's their pattern, where they make big, big mistakes, and then they ha- they they give you small, meaningful gestures, which which get the fan base back on board, and then there's you know there's there's mass walkouts, and there's seventy pound tickets, and there's all kinds of stuff, and they always seem to increment. It, it's never what I'm trying to say is they've made fuck ups like this in the past, and it's never been a they've never used a grand gesture to bail them out if you want or buy back the goodwill they've never been in the, they've never been in this deep that, that, well, that's what I mean because because you know you're talking about post-pandemic and everybody's fucking angry about everything like everybody in the world's fucking raging about something um, you know and and for example Andy I want I want to ask you because you've been quiet on this I, I watched the debate on online here during the week and they were adamant that Jurgen Klopp ha- has earned the right of a marquee signing this summer. And there weren't Liverpool fans saying this, by the way. Um, you know, that, that given what he's brought to the club, the, the, the Champions League, he's won the league for the first time in 30 years, he's earned a marquee sign. And, and you know, that resonated. I love that. I love the sound of it because it's been, I don't remember a marquee signing. Uh, really, Kevin Keegan. <laughs> you know, um, you, what, 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 you know th- would you agree with that? Um. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. With like Jurgen Klopp would would deserve a marquee sign. I think he deserves absolutely anything that that comes his way. Do I think it's realistic? Can I see a a Sancho or an Mbappe coming this summer? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it wouldn't shock me either way. To be completely honest with you, it it, it all depends. If it makes kind of financial sense, as, as Dave was saying. Um, you know, they're they're financial pragmatists. And unless they're not going to do a Man City kind of where they buy a you know a 27 year old for 70 million um, and let his contract run down for five years and albeit he's a brilliant player for you there's no resale value the two, on it. The, 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 two, the two names you threw out there are potential potential 
future world brands. Well, Mbappe nearly is already, but you know what I mean? We, we, we see, you know, like like Neymar's even getting on. When you talk about Messi and Ronaldo, but even Neymar, who used to be touted as the third, heaven knows why. But, you know, even he's getting on. So th- you're talking about the Sancho's and and Haaland's and Mbappe's as being the next three coming through who are going to take that mantle. So all of these will have future saleability. That's, that, that's what I mean. And they, they could actually yeah. make money off those signings. Definitely. We all know the Nike thing with Mbappe as well. And and my worry is that if, if Man City get a Haaland or or even a Kane, then you know we probably do need to go out and get Mbappe for to realistically, you know, consistently challenge them. Yes, we can have one brilliant season. Yes, we can, we can, we can run them close, and and external factors like the Anfield crowd and things like that can push us over the line. But at the end of the day, City have won four of the last five league titles, or is it three of the last four? I can't remember, but they've dominated the last five years of English football anyway. Um, and you know our our one season, albeit it was emphatic, albeit it was ninety nine points, albeit Man City were nowhere near us. It was a flash in the pan in the grand scheme of things of the last decade, uh, and that's all it's going to really be. If we, I feel, if we can continue in this way, so I do feel like we do have to start kind of matching things like this. And you know, on Mbappe, I, I read a lot of uh, about the French football. I follow the French league quite a bit, and I don't really know why Neymar signed a contract until twenty twenty five, unless he's had serious assurances about the direction of that club. Because, you know, what age is Neymar, Dave? You'll know better than me. Like, he's, he's, he's he must be... 28, near, 27, yeah. I think, isn't he? I was going to no, say... 28, no. I was going to say, he was, you know, he must be nearing 30. Um, you know, so you're talking uh-huh. about the next four years of his career. If he if he sees out that contract, he'd be 31, 32. It's this the guy, rest of his career, basically, isn't it? Yeah. So this guy, you know, this guy, it's staring him in the face, potentially here, if, if Mbappe goes and PSG kind of... I don't think they'll drift off into obscurity because they'll always have that money and they'll always have the ability to make a world uh, a world class signing. But if the if the wonder kid of the of the world on on a one year contract, if you if he's well, kind well, of well, if, if if you if you watch the French league, you'll know that Mbappe. It's not it's not a and I don't want to I don't want to appear disrespectful of the French league, but I think Mbappe this season needs to leave. That I think he needs. To step up to to a more competitive league, and yeah. I don't I don't I don't mean to be disrespectful in any way to the French league, but but a player of that caliber, Neymar. Look, Neymar. I remember seeing him in 2013. That kid was fucking. I mean, that kid was something else. Wasted career, in my opinion. He should have been taken over from from Messi. He's 28, and, and he's still not even in this in the conversation with Messi and Ronaldo. Um, you know what I mean. So Mbappe to me is is the future, and I don't think I don't think his career can afford him staying there another season. No, I I agree, and uh, and like on the Neymar point, you know, Dave says there that that's the rest of his that's the rest of the peak of his career, and he's absolutely right, and he's staring in the face the idea of a career which promised so much. You say in 2013, I remember the Confederations Cup. Uh, I think it was 2013. He completely lit that up, um, and you know he's, he's staring in the face of the, of the idea of of never winning a Ballon d'Or, never winning a Champions League, never really winning anything other than the French League, and even at that, they've bottled that too in the last five seasons. Which uh, that's assuming. And the most assuming. important thing that you're missing. He has failed to win over his own people. They fucking hate him yeah. down here. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, as I was saying there, you know, you're talking about a, a PSG side who who aren't even doing it domestically. This isn't the Bayern Munich who win who've won the league eight years in a row. You know, uh, 2013 Montpellier shocked them, shocked the world by winning the league. 
2017, I think, was Monaco. And if Lille beat Angers away on Saturday, it's uh, it's Lille in 2021 as well. This is a complete embarrassment of a club on the global stage at the minute. So, I mean, my main point on that, you know, why has he signed a contract until 2025? And I assume that, I mean, if I was to put a bet on it right now, I think Mbappe will sign a contract. I'm sure there'll be some sort of assurances in that where things go wrong that he has his way out of the club. But... Uh, in terms of uh, like a marquee signing, I mean, I think I remember seeing a tweet at the time of the signing of Thiago saying this is the first time in our history we've actually signed a player when he's been world class. Um, you know, and it hasn't really turned out that way for 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 Thiago. Certainly for the first part of his Liverpool career, obviously the last month he's he's been absolutely incredible. And that's fingers crossed he, he he keeps that up, and that's the player we see for the next few seasons. But the overarching point is it's not really something Liverpool do. It's not really something Liverpool have, have ever done. I mean, you mentioned Keegan there. I, I, I obviously don't remember those days. In my lifetime, it's certainly not something uh, Liverpool have ever really done. So does he deserve it? Yeah, he deserves everything, you know. He, but it's kind of you're asking me a question in the framework of a of a club and owners who, you know, it's it's kind of at odds with, with what I think they're going to do. That said, you know, there, there was, uh, what's that? Is it, is the Redbird thing that 10% investment thing or was that a separate thing where they've bought a 10% stake in either FSG or Liverpool? Um, anyway, whoever was no, behind that. No, it's 10% that, in FSG, 500 million, I think it is, but it's an FSG, yeah. the company and not the club. So right. I don't know how those finances even affect Liverpool. Right. Well, no, I think that the guy behind that, I read an interview with him where he said, like, I think he was pushed on the Mbappe thing. He said he would be happy to to, to bring Mbappe to Liverpool as long as it made financial sense. So, you know, it is something they're talking about. It is something we can dream about. Um, would I put a bet on it happening this summer or in any summer? No, to be honest, that because I think we're hardwired as Liverpool supporters kind of to expect more of the the type of a Jota signing, a Basuma signing, someone who's who's at that level just below and who can who can join Liverpool and, and grow into that level, uh, kind of with the club. I think that's what we're going to see this summer. Um, so I can't see it. And and if Haaland goes to City, you, you know, and but let, let's be honest, City are in, City are going to buy and they're going to buy big. It's going to be a, a Kane, it's going to be Mbappe, it's going to be a Haaland. You know what I mean? That they are going whoever they get to replace uh, Aguero, one would imagine will be a marquee signing. Um, you can even sell a couple of fullbacks to to, to, um, to finance it. You know what I mean? Well, I, I just on it. I think there's going to be an arms race this summer. Basically, I mean, you've got you've got so many things that have been held back from last year, not least the Euros. Um, but you know, do you think it's a, do you think it's a high market or a low market? What do you think of the prices? I think, it's I think that's a fascinating. Personally, I mean, I know the economics and, and, and COVID and whatever, but football can, has shown in the past that it can operate outside of, of reality, essentially. But also you've got the the idea of the the, the emergence from COVID. You know, um, there is something to sort of trade on, on that. There's a sort of the, re, the reintegration of fans, certainly the Premier League football and, and probably the football all around Europe. Um, they'll make a big deal of it. They'll have to because you know they need to get as much money out of it as as they possibly can. Everybody involved in football has to the the TV companies, the clubs, everybody involved. So it's going to be a big deal. And in order to in order to to kickstart that, I mean, added to the fact that it's just a natural time for a lot of these these players potentially to move, given that the Euros are here. 
and they'll be, you know, they'll be up, and a lot of players who would have moved last summer and couldn't move, you know, so you you'll you probably have a, you know, two, three, four transfer windows in in one here, um, given the lack of movement that there's actually been, and I just think it'll happen. I think if 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 Haaland does move, for example. That's there's going to be a domino effect, of course. If if Haaland goes to City, we are going to have to do something. There's no way we're going in the in the next season without Bolster in the front line. Um, if if Haaland goes to City, but City have to do something. City have to do something, Neil. They may, they absolutely do. I mean, although you know, bit of tongue and cheek talk or bit of smoke and mirrors from from um, City really. Um, City affiliated journalists and stuff, and 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 people connected to the club talking about Ferran Torres being the new the new number nine and stuff. Um, but you would imagine City are going to go big on a striker and whoever it is, whether it is Haaland, it seems likely to me in my head. But you know, I'm just basing that on the fact that he's going to move. He's class. His dad played for them. They have the money. Why not? Um, that there's nothing really else to it for, for me. Um, so he could well go somewhere else. But if he were to sign for City or another big a top player is to, Liverpool will have to do something. Um, we sat still last year and, and that was okay. We 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 took we took a chance, um, or or we we said we'll we have what we hold and, and this is our policy. But you can't do it forever and 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 reasonably expect to be still in the same conversations and they want to be in those conversations FSG make no mistake they don't they don't want to have a team that that's why we are where we are I mean they had a team that was finishing sixth and seventh and that wasn't that wasn't what they wanted so they got Klopp and they they, they did this and now they have a team which barring a 10 game unbeaten run with with eight game eight, eight wins at the end of the season would have finished fifth or sixth or seventh um, so they're going to have to, you know, put their hands in their pockets again. That's just the, the nature of the beast. Um, so I think we will see movement. Uh, otherwise, they are looking to sell up and 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 don't want to continue because they don't want they don't want a mediocre club and Liverpool doesn't want to be a mediocre club. So um, they can't reasonably expect a lack of investment over a period sustained period of time to yield success. I've, 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 I don't necessarily agree with Chief. I don't necessarily think there's going to be an arms race. Um, I don't think there's going to be massive amounts of money spent. I think Barca's. Listen, this European Super League wouldn't have come around unless there was a whole pile of clubs that were skint. Basically, Juventus are skint. Um, there's players they can't get off their books. Madrid are skint. There's players they can't get off their books. Barcelona are in a the fucking mire. They're in a hole. Financially, um, Gareth Bale's going back for his last contract. Last Bale, year, the contract six hundred you know, grand. Well, this is it. You know, you, you throw Eden Hazard into that into that mix as well. You know, there's, there's just these clubs are not equipped at the moment to go out and start spending bucket loads of money on players. Um, the only two that really are 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 PSG and Manchester City, and maybe yeah. maybe Chelsea. So I think. Mbappe's contract's up what next summer? Yep. Do you not know, think there I, could be some diddles though, some swaps and stuff? Do you know, I think there's I, you mentioned a lot of players yeah, there. I think that's I think I stuck. think I actually do agree with that. I think the 
the days of the massive transfer fees are going to come to an end. And I think you will see a lot more of players running their contracts down, swaps happening, nominal fees with a year to go, you know, discount fees with a year to go on contracts and stuff like that. I don't think Haaland moves this summer, if I'll be really honest with you. I don't think Mbappe moves this summer. I don't think, I think Kane, there's a, a chance that Kane goes to Manchester City, but I'm not convinced. And these three guys are going to be in the news all I don't summer. think Kane goes anywhere at 150 I don't think million. He goes, I don't, who the fuck, who's pet and Levy won't move from that 150 I, million? I don't think he's, then this is the point I'm making, I don't think he's going anywhere either. I don't think these, these three players are going to go anywhere. And the fact of the matter is, in my belief, is see these big clubs, Liverpool, Manchester United, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus, they don't want to be forking out massive transfer fees on players every summer just to stay where they are. They don't want to have to do it anymore. And if they can manipulate a situation where it is more like the American model, where you will see trades if you want, and players just running their contracts down and naturally progressing on to the next level, and I think you'll see agents as well, time and contracts in times with where times that players will, you know, in in general kind of be at the natural moving point or stepping up point in their careers. So I, I think that's where we end up going. I think the, the, the COVID scenario could have been the kickstarter to that. And uh, like I say, I, I don't, I think if City do this and if somebody, I, I just, I just don't see, I just don't see any of, any of it happening. And I'll probably be totally wrong. And there'll be 8 million billion spent, 8 million Bitcoin spent on players or something in the summer. So, so I don't know, but that that's that's kind of where I am on it. But yeah, boring. Not really Liverpool related, to be honest, because I don't think we're even in that conversation. So yeah, upper reds, come well, on. <laughs> There's, is that the end of the pod? You just nah, might as well be. <laughs> no, I, I look. I don't disagree with it, with anybody, but I, the the thing I think from from my money, it's 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 how much money these players have got. It, what how the market is going to be affected. Um, you know, Neil makes a couple of good points for my money about um, you know, the fact that there was no basically there's four windows in one, but it's what the the price brackets are going to be. I think is is going to be the fascinating part for me. But listen, we'll leave it there because we've rambled on. Thank you so much for your time, guys. As always, it's actually a pleasure talking to you. Uh, I, I don't get to do this pod very often. Uh, normally, I was doing the midweek, so it's not very often I get on with Chief and Dave and, and Andy. So it's lovely being here, and a big thanks to listeners as always for listening until. We were back after Crystal Palace and we're safely um, safely have our Champions League spot up the Reds. <laughs> <laughs>